Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Red Pill Your Healthcast. I am Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz here with Lauren Johnson NP. And we are talking uh, more about what we talked about last week, but we're going to break it down into three different starts with vax and ends with innations. And uh, let's start out by talking. Uh, let's start out by reiterating some stuff because I think it's really important. We think it's really important that you understand a few things first and foremost. And I made a list because we, you know, how we all like to get on rants, and I want to stay uh, to a nice thirty-minute time frame. Uh, but it's under it's important for uh, topic one. Reactions don't have to happen immediately with vaccinations. They can be slow growing illnesses. The stories that you'll hear a lot of times are my my child had it one day and the next day they were different or overnight they were different or a week later they were different or a month later they were different or a few months later. Does not mean that these do not cause other issues down the road when you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s, even because um, they are uh, slow growing, as I say. And so we live in a chronic disease-ridden country. Any form of toxicity is going to add to that. And what what more potent than something that's uh, injected directly into our blood? Mm -hmm. So we, we need to realize that. Number two, we need to realize that the research is always skewed, first and foremost. We talked about that last episode. But we also have to realize that if the research shows what they want, that they skewed it to what they want, then it is known as fact. It, if, if it's the exact opposite and doesn't show what they were trying to get, then they call it, it's still up for debate. That's a big issue. That's a sleight of hand um, magic trick, as I say, that they want you to fall for. And lastly, um, playing with vaccinations is like playing genetic roulette. Forrest Gump said it best. He said, you, uh, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I'm going to uh, redo that quote and say vaccines are like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get because for some kids, it could be autism. For some kids, it could be allergies. For other kids, ADHD. For some kids, childhood cancers. For other kids, the list goes on and on. You, you get the point. And we do really want to also reiterate that we should be reading the inserts. The the inserts that you are most likely going to see is a synopsis that's made by your doctor and or government. That is a sheet saying that things are not toxic and you're basically just taking the word for it. But if you read the actual inserts, which we'll get into on some of the vaccines we'll talk about today, you will see um, how much of uh, an issue it really is uh, and how scary it really is when you dive into it. And uh, Lauren, we were just talking about that. What, what's your, what's your take on the inserts? Well, as a, as a provider, it, it's even hard for me to kind of see what all is in them in some of them. So I was looking at some of the different um, flu vaccines, the single dose flu vaccines, and I was having a hard time. Like one of them, I found the ingredients and then the other, but the, they're not using names that you might recognize. So you need to look up each. If you're looking at the, at the insert, make sure you look at the ingredients and then do a search on what that ingredient actually is in like layman's terms. So that way, you know what it actually is because you, you like Triton X 100, you're like, Oh, that's, I don't know what that is. I mean, and it doesn't seem like it's anything, but it is something. Um, and it does matter. Um, and so, you know, finding that. And then on other inserts and these inserts, mind you, they're 80 pages. They're mm -hmm. like they're 80 pages. So like you really have to really sit down and take the time to go through it all. Um, but the other thing is that on one of them, there was no ingredients. I 
could not find the ingredients. Um, I did find on some of these, like they say, oh, it's autism is not linked to vaccines. That's, you know, totally, you know, hogwash. Well, it's on one of the inserts for, for one of the flu shots. Like, yeah. I was just like, how is that hogwash? Yeah. So, um, so I think it's hard for the late, like for just like the average person to even know. Um, and then we were talking earlier, the, the things that you get when you get a vaccine, you get a, a sheet of paper. It is not the, the package insert and it does not go through side effects. It does not go through ingredients. Um, it basically is like aftercare and just a couple things about the history and things like that. It's not gonna, it's something that's from the government. Yep. And, um, I also wrote down, I, I want to talk about this before we move on too, is piggybacking off the life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And more so vaccines are like a box of chocolates. Uh, if you do have an issue and you report it, remember we talked about how it's all self-reported and there's VARES and all these programs and vaccine compensation programs. Well, if you do go today and you report that you took a flu shot and now you have Guillain-Barre syndrome or transverse myelitis, um, you have to wait two years because there is a two-year backlog of complaints currently um, from vaccinations. And mostly uh, the biggest one's actually flu shot, which we will touch on last today. So uh, if you are planning on doing that, you will wait two years, which is a shame. And that should tell you everything you need to know about what these shots are capable of. Yeah. All right. Let's jump in. Let's talk tetanus and Tdap. So I am going to start by saying that it was introduced in 1947, where the population was 147 million people. And how many people had tetanus? How many people had tetanus? 472 per year. Yeah. Okay, so that is a 0.00032% of getting tetanus when the vaccine was introduced. Mm -hmm. So what does the CDC say? Well, since we introduced it, we've we've cleared it by 99% since we introduced it. I hope so, because at 472 people per year, I have 147 million and you introduce something. Uh, I hope it gets better because it's very easy to get better at that point. And yeah. so um, that's sleight of hand wording. The CDC will say that it was improved or cleared by 99%. But when you take a step back, you read the statistics. I mean, there was 0.00032% no, of people who got tetanus a year. Why would we need to even put any energy towards that? My yeah. mind goes to money. What do you think? Yeah, and, and the, it was during World War II, um, and it was mostly adults. But mm -hmm. the thing is that we vaccinate like ch children multiple times for it. Yes. And so, and there is, so the risk for tetanus comes from, it's an anaerobic bacteria, Clostridium tetani, that is found in the intestines of animals. Usually you come in contact with feces. It used, like you think of it as a rusted nail thing, but that's not necessarily the case. You could walk through or touch um, feces from an animal with this bacteria and still get tetanus. And so there is some thought that this, that, that could be, um, you know, an issue for some people in those circumstances, but for the majority of people, that's probably not going to be um, as much of an issue. The biggest issue though was with like fighting men, like men who were at war. Um, and that is where this, this whole thing came from. Yes. And to also just take a step back and think a lot of the people who are pro vaccine will talk about herd immunity. And that's like the biggest thing is to achieve herd immunity essentially. And so tetanus is not contagious, mm -mm. is nope. not contagious. So, so what are we doing with yeah. tetanus? Why, why are we doing this? 
we give it to children at two months, four months, six months, 15, 18 months, four to six years old and seven years old. And we talked about last time that the blood brain barrier does not close until about seven years old. And so the statistics show that 12% of all SIDS rates, which is sudden infant death syndrome, 12% of them happen within seven days of a uh, Tdap vaccine. Yeah. So we should really put some thought into that alone. And so let's talk a little bit about the ingredients in um, Tdap. Now, formaldehyde, they use it to preserve dead bodies. Well, that's fun. We should just inject it into our blood and let our brain uh, have uh, free access to it. And then let's move down the, the line. Just carcinogenic. I mean, that's a proof. That's a proven carcinogen. Yes. Um, so that that isn't like, I think every vac- most vaccines, I, I don't want to say that as fact, but it's in a lot of vaccines. Yes, it is in a bunch. Um, and then we have thimerosal, which is mercury. And then uh, when people say, oh, well, if we could take out the thimerosal, we'll be all good. Here's the issue. They also put aluminum in there, which some people say is up to 80 times more toxic to brain tissue than mercury is. So now we have formaldehyde, aluminum, and thimerosal on top of all the other stuff that's in them that we didn't list that is injected into our children one, two, three, four, five, six times before their blood brain barrier is closed. What do you think could happen? Life is like a box of chocolates. This vaccine is a perfect example. So um, we said it's not contagious. And the, the research actually shows that, the, that whenever someone does have tetanus, only 30% of the time can they actually recover the bacteria in it, which is pretty fascinating to me. Um, so let's talk about what we can do instead. Lauren, what, what do you think we should uh, be looking at when it comes to tetanus? Well, okay. So the first incubation for the period for, the te- for tetanus is two to 16 days. So just because you were exposed like a week ago doesn't necessarily mean you're out of the woods yet. Um, it starts with a sore throat, leads to rigidity. That's the biggest issue is it can cause lockjaw and then eventually can cause um, rigidity of the diaphragm and affect breathing. Um, and so that is where you have, you know, where you get a lot of the the issues with it. There's a clinical diagnosis. There's no like a specific laboratory test that they're going to be able to do um, that. It's mostly a clinical diagnosis. What I would do. So any puncture wound, any puncture wound, clean with hydrogen peroxide, not alcohol, um, because alcohol will burn and it's not, that's not helpful. Um, hydrogen peroxide, I would apply tea tree oil, um, on the wound. Um, and then, um, you want to take Leadum homeopathic. This is a perfect homeopathic for puncture wounds. I also talk about Leadum with tick bites. Um, and this is one that is good for any puncture wound. You could also apply a plantain poultice, to the wound. I'm probably going to be making a blog post eventually with detailed instructions for these things. Um, but for right now, just Google planting poultice. Yeah, that's a great idea. I think people would really appreciate if you did a blog yeah. post on this for sure. Yeah. Specific uh, instructions, all about action steps. That's right. And the biggest thing is um, with, because the bacteria is at the puncture uh, wound site or, or uh, wherever there's open skin, we got to increase drainage and yeah. we have to let the blood, instead of putting pressure on it, let the blood drip, um, let yeah. it get out of your system, you know? And, and then, uh, I, I wrote down some stuff too. uh, salt water. I, I put down, uh, the biggest thing in research studies is vitamin C orally and topically, mm-hmm. and it reduced it by 45% alone, just doing vitamin C, which is a big deal. Um, and then whenever something is topical, I always see if colloidal silver and a mixture with Manuka honey, um, 
as well uh, for anything like that. So I wrote down drainage is important. And, and you and I talk about drainage all the time on Instagram. Yep. Uh, it is, I mean, that's how we really combat the terrain theory of health is we open our drainage pathways. And so that means, for- are you pooping? Are you sweating? Are yes. you moving your body? Um, are you hydrated? Are your kidneys flowing? You don't want things stagnant. Yeah. Um, you want things flowing through. That's what drainage means. I mean, you want things just flowing through. Yep. You want your bile moving because that is the rate limiting step of your liver because it dumps all the toxins into the bile and the gallbladder. And if that is sludgy, it just backs up into your system. Um, So yeah, so uh, that is what I wrote down for uh, tetanus. Before we move on to the chicken pox vaccine, let's talk a little bit. Um, I'm just going to give some other uh, information on diphtheria and pertussis because that is the other ones in the Tdap vaccine. Um, Tetanus was the biggest one we want to talk about, but Let's just realize that diphtheria is the same basically thing as strep throat, even though they'll say it's something different. Uh, kids get strep all the time. And I feel like a lot of times it can be diphtheria. Um, so uh, that's important to note. And then also before the vaccine was introduced, there was 1,822 deaths per year from diphtheria out of 140 million people. That is a 0.0013%. Um, so is it really worth injecting toxins to try to prevent some really doesn't cause us an issue ever. It's your body, your choice. You weigh the pros and the cons. We're just giving it um, how we see it. And then last pertussis, maybe the most comical, um, vaccine, uh, with the Tdap is pertussis because it is spread by the vaccinated. Every time there is a pertussis outbreak, it is a hundred percent vaccine rate. If you're questioning that, look at a school, Westlake School in California from 2019. There was another one, I think, in New York or Pennsylvania. And even in the articles about it, it said that it was there was no pertussis in the unvaccinated children in the school. It was only in the vaccinated children. But then the unvaccinated children got blamed for it. And it's like, well, how does that make any sense? Um, They're like, well, if everyone was vaccinated, it wouldn't have had a chance to come through. Well, no, if every, I mean, if, 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 if the unvaccinated is putting everyone at risk, they would have it. They would yeah, have that, That's the analogy that I like is like, uh, like bugs, bug uh, spray repellent. It's like, if you have all this bug spray stuff on you and you are getting eaten up and I don't have any, and I'm not getting eaten up. It's like you telling me, Hey, you need to put the bug spray on because it's not working for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's a, a, an analogy that I like to use. Um, so, so go ahead. On. Well, pertussis is, it is a risk. It is risky with little babies though. So we don't vaccinate mm-hmm. it for it until two months though. Right. Is that what, is that what I remember you saying? Okay. Yeah, so, two months. Yep. So the biggest, honestly, the biggest risk factor is comes at like uh, younger than that. Um, a little bit more, you know, a devil in a two to six month, you're going to have some uh, risk factors for, um, you know, for a higher incidence of, of complications, but definitely in those first two months, you're going to have more and you're not going to be protected. Um, either way. Um, and so the, the, the pertussis is, um, the, it's the cough, right? That's what happens. Yep. Yep. And so, Um, and, and here's a, here's, here's a sleight of hand. I always, I'm going to be talking a lot about sleight of hands because it is all a magic trick. They're just want you to see what they want you to see. And so if you have pertussis, um, and you are vaccinated, they will call it croup most times yes but if you are unvaccinated they'll call it pertussis because you don't have your your tdap you don't have your pertussis vaccine so they will they will also do that um quite often 
And what they'll say is we need more boosters, which is also happening uh, very uh, current day on new stuff, new vaccines that are coming out. But they'll say you need boosters upon boosters because the, this is what they'll say. The vaccine is not very uh, effective at pertussis because the bacteria is mutating. Well, of course it's mutating because bacteria pleomorphs in the presence of toxicity. And so what happens when you give a bunch of antibiotics? You become antibiotic resistant. Mm -hmm. What happens when you give a bunch of vaccines? The same thing is happening. You are yep. getting bacteria that's pleomorphing and working its way around the vaccine yep. uh, and then causing more issues. So again, that is, it is a uh, pandemic of the vaccinated is pertussis. And, and just, I mean- just so we're clear here, this is something that they really scare tactic um, a okay. lot. Um, if you have any type of anything happen. Oh, and I did want to say for tetanus, if you think that you can go get a tetanus shot um, mm -hmm. right after you have a puncture wound, you cannot. Um, that way. Um, and so it only works if you, you, if you do want to, if you do want to get some treatment, if you're worried about it, you can go get, um, Oh, it's an, I, what is it called? It, it's an infusion. I don't even know. Okay. Let me, let me look that up quick. Go on what you were saying. Uh, I was, let's see, what was I, I was saying that bacteria pleomorphs, uh, yeah, I had something else causes, that I was going to say, yeah. where, where, where were we going to take that? You were just talking before you brought up tetanus. What were you saying? Um, well, this, that pertussis is the one that is, that causes the most risk, but when you're older, which they still continue to vaccinate you for, right. um, the, it doesn't cause as many of the severe reactions as when you are an infant or a, a small baby. And so the, while you do need to be mindful of it, it, there is so much more that you can do, um, to help support the body, help support, um, the child, um, if they were to come in contact with pertussis, um, and if you were to have concerns about pertussis. Um, Dr. Charlie, what have you used um, to help with pertussis or any concerns for coughing? It's basically, so, say, I would approach it the same way as with coughing. Yeah, I would use um, a supplement. I like one called Vervita Immune Armor. It has spleen and thymus tissue in there and lymph tissue. So I like to get the, the thymus gland and the, the spleen um, up and running at a faster rate. Um, I will use a little bit of essential oils too, especially ones that are high in tea tree. Uh, and time specifically. Yes. Um, so I will use that with them. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll test homeopathics, but I really like to get spleen and thymus tissue. A clinical pearl is any cough that is lingering, that doesn't go away. You always want to give um, spleen and thymus tissue. If you are vegan, which I don't recommend, but if you are, then uh, reishi mushroom will help those two organs uh, out quite a bit. Yeah. And so, and, and that's what I was going to say. Um, you know, in general for support for most of these things, um, that are actual, you know, like coughs and illnesses, we're going to talk about, um, support that you can do. Uh, reishi mushroom is definitely one of the big ones. Eucalyptus and tea tree essential oil, steam inhalation, um, for little ones, I, I definitely would diffuse or what I do what I tell parents is, Oh, get a bowl of water, um, and put up some time, some dried time in it. And, um, and close the door to the bathroom, turn the shower on and just sit in the, in the bathroom with the, with the baby or with the child. Mm -hmm. And it really helps to open up the lungs, um, and to support the, the child without it being too strong. Um, there are some things that you can pre-dilute, um, and use with babies and kids as far as oils. I always start with the bottom of the feet and back 
Um, yeah. as far as that kind of stuff goes, you do want to be careful. You don't want to do too much. Um, but at the same time, it is very helpful for supporting the respiratory tract. Um, there are some other herbs that can be helpful. I will other also say under under six months, I really encourage homeopathy and breast milk. Um, breast milk is is the name of the game um, with yeah. the antibodies. Um, and then homeo homeopathic remedies are safe for all ages. Um, and I can I will and it's not like hey this one remedy is helpful for um for pertussis or hey this is helpful for um for a strep throat. You really have to um you really have to go based off symptoms and emotions and all of that. And so it needs to be done in like a full article for you to know what to use. Yes, totally. Um, all right, let's move on. We got two more to cover. Let's go into chicken pox. Um, I kind of find this again, humorous. Are we really still scared of the chicken pox? Like are, are people really still scared of the chicken pox? Remember when you were kids and uh, when the neighbor had it, you'd go play with them and you'd have it, then you'd have immunity towards it. Uh, why is that still not the, the outlook? I mean, it is literally helps your immune system fight off the vi fight off viral issues and, and things like that. It, a lot of people, especially in the functional med world, want you to get chicken pox naturally so that your body, uh, fights it off and has antibodies towards it. Now, a whole nother thing is, uh, this whole increase in shingles in younger population, which they say comes from chickenpox vaccine, because it is the same virus goes dormant, comes back out in times of stress. But now we have all these vaccines and things like that. So a lot of people are uh, contributing it to that. Uh, shingles vaccine is another interesting one. Every time I've had a patient ever get one, they have shingles in the next six months to a year. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say about the, um, I mean, we, we should have all had natural boosters to exposure to uh, the chickenpox virus, as you get, as your child gets it, or as somebody else's child, get, child gets it, you should have a natural booster to this virus. And so that, that keeps your immunity strong so that you don't get shingles. And then yeah. now because of no one has it anymore, you, everyone is getting shingles because there is the natural immunity definitely wanes, or the, uh, not the vaccinated immunity definitely wanes. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that um, it became routine vaccination in the early 1990s. It, before that, like me, I was born in 1987 and I had chickenpox when I was three. I still have a scar to prove it. And um, it really wasn't a big deal. It was my sister and I had the same time and it, it was not a big deal. Um, in little ones, tiny ones, again, tiny ones are the ones who under one can have more complications. Not as likely still, it's still not a huge risk factor, but it is more possible um, with tiny ones. Um, there used to be around 3.5 million cases a year and now there's 700,000. Um, today we see about 30 deaths per year and usually it's only in the immunocompromised children. And that's the case for most of these things is you're only going to see the biggest risk factors in immunocompromised children. Um, and that will have to be, it's like, why are they immunocompromised? That's when we have to look at root causes and stuff like that. Yes. And, and also here's another sleight of hand is those immunocompromised, uh, children and people, they will use those photos to promote their vaccines. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the same concept of if you ever watch late night TV and you hear the sad music and the animal, the dog that looks like it's been beaten and they want you to adopt a dog in Africa or whatever they want you to do. It's the same thing with vaccines. If you look up, uh, uh, look up pertussis, they will show you kids on ventilators. They will get your emotions all riled up and put you into a state of fear, which is exactly the game they want you to play into. So I always tell people when we talk vaccines, 
Um, we have to take our emotions out of it. We have to think about it in logic and that's okay if you feel that way, but don't get it twisted. We need to, uh, uh, look at it from a logic standpoint. So, uh, mm-hmm. that will happen with chicken pox. I bet you, if you Google chicken pox, it's going to show you some gnarly looking child with chicken pox. That's going to yeah. make you scared so that your child doesn't get it, but it is a harmless virus. So it does uh, have little papules. I mean, it does spread all over the body. Um, it's airborne. Um, it, you can get it through touching the eye or touching the infected skin. Uh, incubation period is, is two weeks. And so it's not a right away thing. Usually starts with a mild fever, but not always can start with the rash first. There is no conventional medical treatment for, for chicken pox. Yeah. Um, if you are exposed and immunocompromised, there is an, um, an, an immunoglobulin you can get within 72 hours to decrease severity. So that is a possibility if you are unvaccinated and immunocompromised for the regular population, you're not going to need to do that like that yeah. for the most part, obviously this isn't medical advice, but, um, that's just general uh, knowledge, uh, nettles, uh, making a tea or a tincture or digging a tincture with nettles, lemon balm, burdock root, elderberry, echinacea, astragalus. Lysine powder are all good antiviral supports. Um, for as far as essential oils, Ravensara and German chamomile is great. Lavender, eucalyptus, tea tree, um, things like that. And then as far as like the the rash on the skin, uh, calendula wash, burdock poultice, and then soaking bath with baking soda, cornstarch, and milky organic oats. Make sure they are organic because or oats do commonly have glyphosate on them, so make yeah. sure they are organic. Um, and then lower high arginine foods. Do you ever, do you talk about that? All the time. Yeah. So the, the biggest arginine foods in my experience are rice, nuts, seeds, and chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously corn and gluten and soy and different nuts, uh, like I just said, have it, but it can be a little overwhelming. So I will do, uh, nuts, rice, seeds, and chocolate because it's very easy. Some people will say, very? too. Uh, dairy. Dairy, dairy will just feed viruses and bacteria. Um, so do you, rec- I know you don't like dairy in general. Do you recommend if a, if a patient does have, like does usually take in dairy, but when they're sick with a cold, would they typically do better if they stay away from dairy during a cold? Yes, because dairy is mucus generating. Yeah. And yeah. so it will cause uh, more mucus to generate. Um, yeah. So it, yeah, it, I will. So I why will the arginine? Feed. Because arginine feeds viral cycles and, and lysine is what breaks that cycle. So that's why everyone who has cold sores, you automatically hear about lysine, but you can use lysine for Epstein-Barr. You can use it for chicken pox. You can use it for any type of virus because viruses replicate and use arginine to reproduce in your cells. So uh, lysine is definitely a big one. Um, and then let's, let's, you know, so let's weigh the pros and cons here. So what's the pros of, uh, getting a chicken pox vaccine? I don't know any, I don't know if you know any, Lauren, do you know any pros of getting a chicken pox vaccine? Is the, is the, one more negative is the, is the chicken pox vaccine live? Isn't that the live one? It could be. I I, think- I'm not even sure. I, I looked up what else is in the chicken pox vaccine. What else is in it? I came up with human lung, guinea pig blood, bovine blood, MSG, which we'll talk about very shortly. When we talk about flu vaccine neomycin which is an antibiotic and urine and And what urine 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 Urine. so so i don't know would you like think just let's take a step back if you were at a nice dinner and on the menu was human lung guinea pig blood bovine blood msg neomycin and urine would you order any of those my bet is no 
No. And when we talk about, we talk about organ meats and stuff like that. That's different. The the whole sourcing is going to be totally different. Yes. This Uh, is extremely different. This is like uh, doing a blood transfusion and not knowing what blood type you are. It is a absolute guess. And I, for one, am not, I'm, I'm not a gambling man. I I will gamble a little bit, but I am not by nature a gambling man. And I am not going to gamble with this type of stuff injected into me or my loved ones. And, and typically for stuff like this, it's like the, it's the, it's the mercury, it's the adjuvants, it's the other things that are in it that do cause the issue. Was there any aluminum or mercury in chicken pox? I'm trying to remember. I don't uh, think so. I didn't see it. Okay. Okay. But it could be, it could be. I mean, it, they can, it's just it the could. fact is that it's just not necessary. Like yeah. this is just an unnecessary thing that should have, it was created um, to, to stop us to have chicken pox, but like, that was actually a good thing. Yes. Um, when we look at viruses as they're a bad thing, then like that creates this, like you can't, there's not a vaccine for every virus, but there's like thousands and probably millions of viruses out there. I don't, yes. we, we have to stop this thought of like viruses are a bad thing. Well, no, like they, they are actually fevers can be a very good thing for the body and can help with toxin removal. And so when we stop a fever, it's actually harming um, our, you know, it's harming us because we are not able to burn out the pathogen or whatever that the body was wanting to heat up. Um, And so, you know, I I just think we have to kind of change our thought process on that. It's just not necessary. We need to try to minimize what we are introducing into the body. There are things that we cannot control about this world. We live in a toxic world with lots Mm -hmm. of things in our water, lots of things in our soil. We need to try to minimize what we put in. It's not like the one thing is going to put you, it's it's like, that's the one thing that's the issue. It's like, no, it's the drip, the drip, the drip. It's the continual drip into the bucket to where eventually overflows. And some people start their life with a bucket half full and that causes an issue. And then they don't have the drainage part. You know how we talked about with the drainage. If you're not having the drainage part out, then that creates even more toxicity that's going to be present. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's end it off with the infamous flu vaccine. You see it everywhere, folks. You see it on your grocery stores. Free flu shots. Free flu shots are my favorite is free flu shots. If you spend $100 on this item, you know, it's, it's all a business, as we've always said. But what else is it? It's also a guess. We don't know how effective the flu shot is going to be any given year. No. They will tell you 40 to 60%, but at best, it's I'm not. guessing 10%. Okay. So I was, I became a nurse practitioner in 2014. And this year, that year was the worst flu season we had. And so I became, I was in an urgent care, a very busy urgent care. And I started in August of 2014. And I will tell you what we got ran over. And it was the flu shot effectiveness that year was 20 three percent I believe 23 percent I mean like and and I thought I think I, I thought I remembered like at the time we were quoting like 11 percent effective because that's what they were initially saying like it's it and and the, the most you see a 40 to 50 to 60 percent effective like how is that how, how is that a good thing right. but what do we look at as what's in the flu vaccine yes you you, you gotta read inserts and this yeah. is the major one that has contained thimerosal time and time again, 25 micrograms of mercury uh, per shot. And we recommend it now to six month olds each year, mind you. Um, And let's just, let's take a little bit of look at the statistics, okay? Let's go to the most um, immunocompromised population. The one that everyone's gonna be like, oh, they need their flu shot. That's above 65 years old. You have a, a 
chance of dying from the flu over 65 at 0.022%. Yeah. 0.022%. Like I said, I'm not a gambling man. I would take those odds. Okay. And then if you're wanting to check this out, uh, the study is a Cochrane review, one of the highest review, um, regarded um, reviews in um, the literature. It is uh, vaccines for preventing influenza and healthy, or sorry, uh, there's there's two. There's vaccines for preventing influenza and health, uh, healthy adults. And there's vaccines for, for preventing influenza and in the elderly. And they were both in 2018. And if we look at the, um, I just want to, quote this because I don't want to get it wrong. Older adults receiving the influenza vaccine may have a lower risk of influenza from 6% to 2.4%. Oh man. Um, you can't make and, this up. You can't make it up. And so there's really very few deaths occurred. No data on hospitalization was reported. Um, and so it's like, the, that's the issue is that they're not even looking at other factors in this, in, in this stuff. The, um, and with the flu vaccine, there are no RCTs, I believe for under two, um, from what I, of the, what I could find everything I looked through, uh, there is no, um, and that is quoted in this, in one of these studies as well. Yeah. Um, it is, it's quite shocking. Oh, and just so you know, we didn't recommend flu vaccine dearly until 2010 for the entire population. It starts at six months and it goes up now. Everyone, pregnant women, you get your flu shot, right? It was not that way until 2010. Um, and this, so that is very short time period. And if we look at that in the grand, like the grand scheme of things, like why are we pushing it so much, especially when it contains all of these nasty preservatives that can cause a lot of issues. People will say that it's mercury free now that there's the dimersal. Thim okay, you're gonna have to say the Dimersal. Dimersal free. But when we looked, I looked myself, I looked on my phone um, before we got on here on the FDA package insert and um, it contained, what else did it contain? It contained the Titan X 100, which is what did we say? It's banned in Europe. So banned it's, in it's Europe. Significant that is banned in and Europe. It, it, it pulls apart cells is what, um, is what we quickly find on that. And this was a quick search that we did right before, just to, just to verify a few uh, things that we were looking yeah, at. It's, it's basically how they they use it so that it opens your cells for all the ingredients to get in. But if it opens yeah. your cells, that's not a good idea. We don't want yeah. to open our cells. Yeah. It's protected their uh, phospholipid membrane for a reason. Yeah. And what was the other ingredient? MSG? MSG, which it acts as a neurotransmitter. Okay. And it leads to brain toxicity because it causes excess glutamate levels, which overstimulates nerve cells resulting in nerve cell death. So you are literally injecting something that gets in and kills your neurons, kills your brain cells. What that's are we that doing? In autism, right? The excess glutamate? Huge. huge. Yes. And ADHD, like that, that's, yeah. that's part of it. That's not the only, the whole thing. I mean, of course there's never just one factor, but yep. that's part of it. Yep. This is a perfect example of control the controllables. You can control if this isn't injected into you or your loved ones. Yeah. But you, some people don't know what they don't know until they find out they didn't know it. And that is totally okay. Um, but now that we're saying it this way, make a decision for you and your family. Again, it is totally your choice. We're just throwing out some statistics. And speaking of statistics, so I talked about how 0.022% death of the flu after the age of 65. Well, Hugh Fundenberg, who is an immunogeneticist, said that if you get your flu shots, you have a tenfold risk of getting Alzheimer's. So let's do the statistics. Over 50 or over 65 years old, 
is 22 deaths per 100,000 people. Alzheimer's is one in nine. I am not going to take the gamble on that. So I would like to uh, roll the dice. I will not get my flu shot. I will take the 0.022% of death over the age of 65 instead of the one in nine of getting Alzheimer's. And they'll say that thousands die every year from the flu. I, I will say that they are skewing the numbers a bit. The flu does kill people every year. It is a it is a big thing. But I would wonder if the factor is all of the overall toxicity in general, that it suppresses the immune system and they can't fight it off as well. Um, yeah. And so you kind of have to say, okay, well, what if we are working on the train of our body then? Like that, that's the most important thing. Um, the, the, the flu shot or the, uh, the flu, I think in a given year, it's around a hundred children die per year. Um, and it is horrible and it is not, um, something that we are saying that we are making you know, a joke of or, or taking right. lightly, but they are typically immunocompromised children and they do have other factors that typically are, are present. Um, and again, I go back to our, 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 is their level of being able to fight it off worse or uh, dampened because of all of the toxicity that is present in the numerous vaccines and medications we are giving these children? Yes. Um, I, you know, I, I have personally seen flu cause a, a, some severe issues with children. I have seen that. I used to work in the pediatric yep. ICU. I have seen that. But for the most part, these children had massive co- uh, comorbidities that were already present. Um, and, um, and, and and we really have to start saying, okay, why are those things present? That's when we really need to go to root cause. And yes, it's harder to find practitioners for root cause and we get that. But you really have to start saying, what can I control? What can I control? Do I want yeah. to contribute to the toxicity or do I not want to you know, contribute to the toxicity? Yeah, in- influenza is no joke. It's not a common cold. Yeah. People who've had the flu, it- it's gnarly. But we have to look at, you know, they will tell you between 30 and 60,000 die a year. That's out of 330 million people. So say that 50,000 a year die of the flu. That is a 0.015% chance. I still don't think the pros outweigh the cons because it's way more common for Alzheimer's. And we talked about um, the vaccine compensation programs. There are law firms and lawyers that are specifically just for vaccine injury from flu shots. That's how common it really is. And since 2017, the courts have paid out $725 million out of your tax dollars, mind you, uh, to people who have reported things like Guillain-Barre syndrome and transverse myelitis, which both are nervous system uh, debilitating diseases, right, and issues. But what we just said, it's filled with MSG, which creates cell death in the nervous system. So we really, you know, we really got to just take a step back and just look at little things like that, which can tell you a whole bunch. And if you're listening to this and you've been flu um, flu vaccine injured and you're reporting to VARES and, and to the vaccine compensation programs, like I said, get in line because it's about two years backlogged right now. So uh, it is there, there's no shortage of injuries going on. You just don't see it on CNN and Fox news and all the mainstream media, uh, because they don't really care about that type of stuff. They care about making money. It's all about money. It's a big business. Um, and it's about creating division in this country to get people certain votes. That's all they care about. Um, but this stuff is way more important because we are damaging our population and our children are not expected to outlive us, which is a tragic, um, statistic and that's why we do this podcast and why we're talking about what we're talking about yeah 
So let's talk about the things that you can do if you get the flu. Um, I, you know, ginger, elderberry, echinacea, astragalus, um, Elysium Supreme, um, yeah, that's our niece. And so tell us about yeah. that. Yeah, so that's what uh, they make the Tamiflu from, star anise. And so I like Supreme Nutrition Herbs. Uh, they are um, tested in a laboratory, but also muscle tested too. And I'm a big frequency medicine person, so it's got to be pure stuff. Um, so I use their herbs more than anything else uh, and because I've seen great results with them. But star anise, they call it Elysium Supreme. When I was in California and because I'm in Tennessee now and, and uh, flu season is upon us, uh, people would come in and buy it off the shelves like it was candy because uh, one, they felt good on it. And two, they'd be the only one that didn't catch the flu in people in their house or things like that. So, so I'm they can a, take it daily to prevent it. Yeah. So I also use it during pregnancy and breastfeeding because it's it's an herb. It tastes like black licorice. I hate black, black licorice. Some people will t open the capsule and sprinkle it on food because they like the taste. I don't like the taste. So I will just swallow the capsule um, and you can take it preventative. And you can also take it if you end up getting the flu. Um, so Elysium Supreme is a great one. You talked about elderberry, echinacea, reishi, all that. Reishi. Stuff. And then um, some things for children that I would want to uh, uh, to mention. Gaia Herbs has bronchial wellness for kids, dental mm. warriors, chest relief. Uh, oh, boron's uh, children's chestal honey. Um, nebulizing. It can be a very helpful That's thing. Cool. Sterile saline not talking about don't don't you put tap water in, in that nebulizer um and uh sterile saline a drop of uh, food grade hydrogen peroxide can be very helpful for opening up the lungs um this is talking about for children um so these are the things that i that i would i would think about um when i'm when i'm looking at the flu um, i don't i'm not fearful of the fever i've mentioned that before um we really want to look at um, helping the body supporting the body medicinal mushrooms like reishi are wonderful um there are lots of herbs again i need to, i'm gonna probably end up doing a blog post on this as well and getting giving out some more specific instructions for people to know what to do what's safe for what ages and things like that um but i do think it's important to know that we're not talking about not treating these things or not doing anything about these things we are talking about go approaching this in a different way um right. and, and and with natural supplements things that support the body that work with the body and that work synergistically with the body um uh, it is important to note that there is another thing that you can do um if you are not vaccinating your child and you have concerns there is something called homeoprophylaxis um that is a homeopathic remedy so like for the flu there is one each year that comes out new every single year um and there is a remedy for it um and i can share a link to that um eventually or maybe on like the podcast notes um and then that way you can you know that there is a there, is, there are things that you can do um yeah. Yeah, for each of these things. It's, it's really easy to Google it and then and then to say, you know, Dr. Google tell you that there's nothing you can do. You just got to get vaccinated. Yeah. And so yeah. you can feel kind of alone or lost at that um, instance. But there are people like us who uh, we talk about on Instagram. We do this podcast. There's a lot of people out there who are thinking the same as you. And it's a great community of people. We, you just yeah. got to plug in and find that community. Yeah. And feel strong and confident in your decisions that you are making as a parent um, and know why you are making them. I'm not, don't just listen to me, do the research yourself. Don't just listen to Dr. Charlie, do the research yourself and then use it as a jumping off point, know why you are doing what you are doing and then go from there um, and just, you know, have the tools that you need at home too, for when illness strikes. Cause some of these things are not available locally, um, yeah. especially where I live in Kentucky. It's definitely not. Um, 
I do want to make sure I mention that this is not considered to be medical advice. This is meant to be educational. You do need to speak to your healthcare provider. Um, I do hope you find a, a good root cause healthcare provider and or frequency medicine or uh, any type of alternative provider like that. Um, but I do, um, it is important to note that you really should speak with your provider because everyone is different. Each child is different. Each adult is different. We have a different makeup and you really do need to discuss your own case. Yes, absolutely. I echoed that a hundred times over. Was there anything else that we did not mention? I did have the, I did bring up the tetanus immunoglobulin. That was what I was, I wanted to give, make sure I gave everyone the tools that they had. And there is an immunoglobulin you can get if you have tetanus, um, that's not a vaccine. Um, but I don't know enough about it to speak on it right now. I will try to put some information in the show notes. So that way we can at least give you some uh, jumping off point of where to look at for that. Um, yeah. and, and so that is some of the herbs and stuff like that too. Yeah. Yeah. We really need to probably step up our game with the show notes um, and, and really help give you the tools and the links and things like that to go, to go with that. So we will be doing that in the coming episodes as well. Awesome. And uh, next episode, we already have it. Uh, we usually people vote, but aren't we doing um, more vaccines for the next time? Yeah, I think so. We'll see. We'll see what people say if they like this. Um, you know, I'm all about giving tools. So like, let's, okay, this is the issue. This is the issues with the vaccine. These are things that you can do instead. Um, yeah. And these are things like, is it really something to be concerned about? Um, so we can continue going down the childhood vaccine um, route, or we could go with um, a whole different topic. Well, we'll, we'll post something on Sunday, let the, the people vote, and then we will get on next week and talk some, uh, some stuff. Okay. Awesome. All right, everyone. You have a good weekend, everybody. See you on the next one. Yeah.